Mixed martial arts and boxing fans, it's time for Fighter's Fury, Inside the Heart of a Champion, with hosts Brendan Tobin, Seema, and Tommy Guns. It's time for Fighter's Fury on AM790, The Ticket. Ah, that's not my frustration at Dion Waiters. I'm ready to talk fights. I swear to God, everybody. Happy Sunday. Holy crap, what a weekend it is in sports. Can I get a little bit of a breather just to talk some fights? Is that all right with everybody here today? Because I know, I'm sure everybody's talking talk about Dion Waiters. Talk about his suspension. Talk it now. What do you want me to say, man? The guy thinks he's the, the the guy thinks he's God's gift to basketball. His ankle hasn't worked in two years. He got a fat contract, and then he got fat, and so now he wants a new place to play basketball. What do you want me to do? We'll talk about it tomorrow. Right now, I got to talk about what went down yesterday, or what went down on Friday. Actually, you had the rare Friday UFC that went down in Boston, and it was a good card, man. A lot of drama around it. A lot of good action, and. You went into this thing, you're like, all right, Chris Weidman's making his debut, 205, let's see how this goes, and he gets knocked out by Dominic Reyes in one round, and Dom puts himself in a good position. I don't know if he's going to get the title shot right away, but I think with a statement like that over a well-known guy, I think unfortunately for Weidman, he almost got like the he almost got the Anderson Silva treatment. You know, A lot of the rub that Weidman got was because of that knockout he had over Anderson Silva. And, you know, that's been the pinnacle of his career. And he's always going to be the guy that end, ended the Anderson Silva train when Anderson Silva was still Anderson Silva. But that's kind of the peak it got to. I don't think he ever got to be the mauler or the long-reigning champion that everybody thought he was going to be. Still an awesome fighter. Still tremendous. But it did hit this crescendo. And I don't know if it's ever gotten to uh, a bigger point since. And Dominic Reyes, I think, really needed that signature win over a signature name. And I think that... It is unfortunate that, you know, Chris Weidman goes into the new weight class and he gets dealt with very, very easily. But I do think it's beneficial for the UFC to get uh, to get Reyes a big fight and to really set up that fight against John Jones. And, you know, John's going to be able to sit back and he's mocking Chris Weidman. Oh, see, don't talk bleep about me. You can't even beat the guys who haven't even fought me yet. Um, which, you know, look, John Jones is John Jones is the best to ever step inside an octagon. You know, it's a. Uh, He's, he's obviously got uh, plenty of talking to do. But with Chris, it's unfortunate because I don't really know where he goes from here. He didn't seem that retirement was really an option for him afterwards. He seemed very much ready to give it another try and get back into fighting. That's cool. Like, look, Chris Weidman, I think, is always going to have a home. He's always going to have a place to get paychecks for fighting other men in cages. I think that's, that's always going to be the case, whether it be in the UFC or whether it goes to Bellator. You're the guy that knocked out Anderson Silva. You were reigning middleweight champion. You're always going to have a place where people will want to watch you fight. But the idea that he is going to be at the top of the heap, the cream of the crop, I just think those days are over. I think that, I think that is that was very clear that the torch has officially been passed. They tried uh, they tried doing the thing where they make the weight cut easier on you. You're going to be in a more natural weight class, and it still just wasn't good enough for him. So. Um, for Dominic Reyes, it's huge. I, th- I think that that is a, a big catapult for him. I think that people people are like, all right, he headlined the UFC, got a first round signature knockout over a former champion. That's the kind of stuff that if it doesn't have you in line with the championship next, it certainly has you on the doorstep. And and that's the 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 big the big come out of that main event. Now the problem is 
It wasn't even close to the best fight of the night. That went to the co-main event, which we were supposed to have three weeks ago with Jeremy Stevens versus Yair Rodriguez, Scratchgate, where Yair scratched the eye of Jeremy Stevens and Lil Heathen couldn't continue. And the unfortunate thing with that is what a great fight. What an amazing fight. But the only thing that we lose out on them not being the main event is two more rounds because that fight needed two more rounds. We needed a a, 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 a better conclusion because it felt like the fight was turning. It felt like the story wasn't quite over yet and that that fight had a lot more layers to, to offer. Like, if that was two more rounds, it certainly looked like it was going in the direction of Jeremy Stevens winning that fight. But I will say to this because everybody, you know, a lot of chatting going back and forth on social media about this. Um, and I, you don't know that Yair Rodriguez is going to come out that strong if it is a five-round fight. Maybe there's a feel-out round. Maybe there's a, a slower-paced round. You don't quite know. So it doesn't guarantee that the fight goes the same way if it's five rounds, but it doesn't change the fact that if you watched that fight, you wanted two more rounds of action. It was that damn good. It was that damn good of a fight. Those guys brought it. Absolute, absolute great fan-pleasing fight. And you're just left with this with this feeling of, man, I wish that nothing wrong occurred the uh, the fight in Mexico City when those guys were when those guys first stepped in the cage. Although I do think they benefited from this. I do think they benefited from all the heat that came from that incident. They were not nice to each other. This wasn't like, oh, I scratched your eye, I'm sorry. Yair Rodriguez was very strong in calling out Jeremy Stevens, basically saying that he was looking for a way out. Uh, they got into an altercation that got caught on TMZ. So, in a way, we did get cheated out of two rounds with these guys, but we also were able to get more fire behind them and have the fight mean a lot more and have the fight um, maybe maybe bring more action. You know, maybe have a more aggressive Yair Rodriguez, more, you know, which led to... Uh, you know, Jeremy Stevens having to having to fight on the on uh, on bringing the thunder and bringing that intensity and bringing that power that he normally does. So it was a really really great bout between those guys. A really really fun night. Uh, co-main and main event. Joe Lozon got a win in Boston with uh with an absolute vicious TKO, and that's awesome for him. He's a, he's had a long time off. The bonus machine gets himself a win in his hometown. You can't ask for anything better than that as far as storybook is is concerned. Uh, Macy Barber looked like an absolute, absolute monster. She, uh, she, she beat Jillian Robertson, who, in her own right, you know, is is just absolutely amazing. I think any of those ladies that train over at American Top Team, the stable that they have training over there is just a, a, an absolute murderer's row of of just killers. They're absolutely fantastic. To see what Macy Barber did to Jillian Robertson, you're like, oh. Oh, they may have they may have something here with with Macy. Like th- this may be this may be a legit star in the making that they have. And she did the right thing. She's like, oh, who am I going to call next? You call out Paige Van Zandt. Why? Most famous woman's fighter going right now. You know, right? Not the best. That's Amanda Nunes. Second best is uh, Valentina Shevchenko. All right, but Paige Van Zandt's the most famous. You know, she's she's got all the world following her. So what do you do when you're Macy Barber and you're riding a hot hand? You actually just beat somebody who may be tougher than Paige Vincent. You take on an easier opponent, but she's more famous. Get yourself even more rubs. So that was a great performance by her as well. Um, and then on the undercard, I wanted to point out Sean Brady getting his win over Court McGee. He looked fantastic. And just a personal thing, I was, I was sitting at a Brass Ring Pub in, uh, in Royal Palm Beach, Florida. Shout out to them. Uh, that place is always special to me. My wife was a waitress there. 
at uh, 19. That was our summer job when we when we both left our first our second summer at Barry University. Uh, I watched the Miami Heat win the championship at Brass, at Brass Ring Pub, waiting for my wife to get off shift. All what would I, what would I do? I'd watch the Heat, watch their playoff run, all from that bar. Um, but I watched I watched I looked up at the TV and I was like, oh damn. Sean Brady's fighting. I remember watching Sean Brady fight. Sean Brady made evented at uh, Alliance. It was Shogun fights. And that was, I want to say, if it wasn't 18 months ago, it was two years ago. But he was fighting, kind of knocking on that door, thinking that he was going to get the UFC uh, the UFC nod to uh, to get the, get the call up. And he had a huge following that came down here. He's from Philly and had a huge following come down to South Florida to support him. Uh, ended up getting a win. It wasn't the most fantastic performance in the world. And, like, dominated, but it wasn't, like, this thing where you're like, oh, whoa, whoa, I need to see this guy again. But even still, the guy looked like he had the skills and had the confidence, had the charisma, had the body, had all that stuff. Um, and so it was good. I looked up at his team and I was like, I don't know that guy. That's Sean Brady. So it was cool to see him get himself a win and uh, and get into the victory column because it's been a long time coming. I love seeing that, man. This is the one thing I tell everybody. You know, you go to these – you know, these regional cards, you know, you don't know. Like, we just, it, it's, uh, you know, Carmel Thunder, who just won the other week on UFC. That guy fought down here at XFN. Titan FC, same deal. Um, you know, we've been telling you about the guys that are, are that good, who are, who are on the doors of a fight in UFC guys. That's what I'm saying. Like, you have all these talented gyms down here and all the guys who are fighting on the regional scene, tooth and nail, just to get a sniff, just to get a look. And there are some guys that I think, you know, uh, who, who definitely deserve to be in the UFC. And still aren't getting brought in, which is disappointing because it feels like in the UFC sometimes you only have one ticket to get in, and that's just knock every mother bleeper that you see come into that cage out. Um, gramp- grapplers sometimes seem at a disadvantage to get that notice, to get that rub, to get in there. Uh, that they even have to go outside their comfort zone to go win. So my point being is, it was great to see him get himself a win and and see that that long climb. Beat an absolute monster in Court McGee. That dude is tough. Uh, a, a grizzled veteran, dude looked way bigger than Sean Brady. Was was continuing to bring the pressure, but his hands were a little bit too quick, a little bit too precise, and got himself a nice victory. So hopefully that uh, that gets the start of the wrong run. Now I left one person out in my entire rundown of UFC Boston. Who was that? Well, that would be Greg Hardy. Well, the reason for that is we need a little bit more space to talk about this Greg Hardy thing. This was weird because. It's always something with Greg Hardy. It's always something. Not always of his doing. Not always uh not not always directly Greg Hardy's fault since he's been in the UFC. But it is always something. It's always like you, you just have those guys sometimes where it's just like there's always a thing that has to become a thing. And with Greg Hardy and this fight this past weekend, this was no different. We'll get to that next. It's Fighters Fury. 790 the ticket all right welcome back it's fighter fury here on 790 the ticket open here with you it's 11 o'clock brian monroe and rashad butler will come on after us you guys get your canes fixed in with him i'm sure everybody's gonna be reasonable so we have that to look forward to so this was the big story i left this one out of the rundown to ufc boston because this is very fascinating to me so Greg Hardy uh, got himself a victory this past week. Um, he he won via unanimous decision uh, over Ben Sosely 
And, you know, look, Greg Hardy, since he's been in the UFC, he gets featured a lot, especially when it's on ESPN. On the ESPN platform, people tune in to watch Greg Hardy. But in between rounds two and three, Hardy took a puff from an inhaler. Now, on the call, you had Daniel Cormier, Dominic Cruz. They're both going nuts. They're like, this is illegal. You can't just be having inhaler puffs in between the uh, in between rounds to go out there. You might as well just have an oxygen mask. Not a lot of an oxygen mask between fights, uh, between rounds. So Greg Hardy gets his hand raised. We don't know what's going to happen. Uh, apparently what, what was told was that a commissioner, uh, a representative of the commission, told Greg Hardy that his, uh, his puffer is USADA approved. So he was allowed to puff it. He was given Dean Thomas in his corner for American Top Team where Greg Hardy trains. He was given the inhaler, puffed the inhaler, and he goes about doing the third round. Doesn't look fantastic, but he does the third round. So he gets his hand raised, and eventually the press conferences happen. They say, guess what? No contest. Dana White says, no, no inhalers between rounds. You're allowed to have water. Gatorade in some commissions. Now, this is very interesting because we have this situation with this inhaler. And if you go through the rules and the bylaws of Massachusetts, USADA, WADA, it seems like if what was in that inhaler was what was uh, approved and disclosed to USADA, it doesn't appear like there's any banned substance in there or anything that is banned within the threshold of what he was allowed to have but it's also one of those things where like what do you mean he's using an inhaler nobody uses an inhaler what what is this it's it's never never even thought about even greg hardy's out there and he's like well my breathing it just gets it to a level where it's at the same playing field. It's not like I'm getting an advantage. I'm 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 a lot I'm I'm supposed to be able to breathe like everybody else is supposed to breathe. Okay, noble cause. You want to breathe like everybody else is breathing. However, we are in this weird little conundrum of it is still a fight, and most fights you're supposed to be pushed to the physical limit of where you're able to go, whether it is taking a pain tolerance. Or, like, you couldn't be out there taking uh, stuff that, like, numbs pain in the middle of fights because your your threshold might be a little bit higher. You might be able to get through this fight a little bit more. It's like, hey, I'm not taking something to get an advantage. I just want to feel normal with taking pain. I think this is is the thing that I just find fascinating about all this with Greg Hardy. It's like, well, of course, I, I almost wish that this study was with somebody besides Greg Hardy because with Greg, it's always something. It's always a thing. It's like he's coming to the UFC, all right? I remember watching Greg. Look, this isn't like a a don't watch Greg Hardy fight thing. I've watched every one of Greg Hardy's fights. Watched one of them in person. Uh, I subscribed to Fight Pass to watch him on Contender Series. Wanted to see what the guy had. Uh, The guy obviously is a physical freak. He's huge. He's a giant. Like, I've stood next to Greg Hardy at fights before, like at, at, uh, at Titan FC. Dude is a monster physically. I could see why you would want this guy to see if he could turn out to be a good fighter. 
Um, I remember that knockout of Austin Lane. Shout out to Austin Lane, former Jacksonville Jaguar. I remember when he was taken by the Jaguars. I was actually rooting for Austin Lane in that fight. Not because I was rooting against, against Greg Hardy. You know, Jags lifer. That's what I was rooting for. But he demolished him with a monster knockout. Thing is, though, and you'll never forget the look on Dana White's face when he saw that fight. You're just like, oh, this guy's something. But being a former football player, not like a lifetime dedicated to UFC. So throughout this other journey of Greg Hardy's career, it's like every one of these fights since he's gotten the promotion to the big leagues, it's always a thing. You had the Alan Crowder fight where he got disqualified by using a legal knee. Then you had the Dimitri Smolikov fight. That was the fight down here. And he got that win. But even the, even even Dana White, and I swear to God, I couldn't believe this. I went into the post-fight press conference, and I thought, ah, Dana White, he's going to make excuses for the dude Smolikov, whatever the hell he, he, uh, he, his name is. That Ah, yeah, that guy's got a good record, and, and he's going to pump Greg Hardy up. Mind you, he's got a big investment in Greg Hardy. He wants the guy to be a star. And Dana White tore to shreds the Smolikov. He goes in and he's like, who is that guy? Who, who are the nine guys that guy beat? I was like, what? That's, the, that's what the president's going to say? He's coming out here and he's got Greg Hardy on his roster, already a controversial thing to begin with, and he just finally saw his guy get his first UFC win. His first UFC win. And the first thing he does is, who are the nine guys that guy beat? I was floored. Floored when I saw when I when I heard that. I was like, really? Beats Juan Adams. Juan Adams was talking a lot of trash in San Antonio. First uh first win that that Greg Hardy really has without controversy. Okay, cool. Seems like we're on the road. Um, you know, everyone I hear at American Top Team, dude is lovely. People like being around him, good teammate, all of that stuff. But it's always a thing. And so we get to this fight against Ben Sosley against uh, at UFC Boston. All right, going to fight again. Looks like he's looking good. Looks a little bit more calculated. Striking's looking a little bit, little bit more fluid. All right, Greg Hardy, look at him. He looks like he's making some improvements. Not, He's not like a world beater. He doesn't look like the most destructive force you've ever seen in the UFC. But all right, let's see what he's got. And then between rounds two and three, he does something that nobody does. He takes a puff from an inhaler. And they're like, oh, yeah, you saw it approved. Um, and everybody's has the same reaction. It's like, really? It is? Had no idea you're allowed to do this, that you're allowed to take a breathing mechanism. Now, maybe over some confounded rules and regulations, you're like, whoa, what rules did he actually break? It's like, I, I guess none. I don't know. But, like, do we know what was in that inhaler? Like, that would just be my immediate place. It's be like, okay, that's a USADA-approved inhaler. But if I was, if I was his opponent, I'd be like, hold on. Hold on. Let me get this straight. The guy gets to use medication between rounds so he doesn't heal over. It's like, um, isn't that kind of the point of all of this? Like, we're not supposed to, we're supposed to fight. And one of the big things that goes into a fight is fatigue. So if it's not banned in any bylaws, I kind of think it should be. Like, what do you mean you're allowed to go and, and and take a pufferman inhaler to keep fighting? It's like, well, it's just so I can breathe like the rest of you. Yeah. I, well, what does that mean, though? Does, does, does that mean you're allowed to go out there and you're allowed to breathe from like you are at the start of a fight? Does that mean you're just allowed to breathe normally like you are at this point of exhaustion? Like, I remember I used an inhaler as a kid when I was playing sports. I kind of grew out of it. Some people don't. Um, 
had Sh- have had Shannon Briggs in studio many a time. Shannon fought with asthma. He's also got more first-round knockouts than anybody in the history of boxing. So, thankfully, wasn't a problem for a lot. But he's talked about having to use inhalers, supplements, but not allowed to use them in fights. In fights? No way, man. That's never been a thing. You know? Like, people are, like, scoping. Commissions are scoping, like, oh, did you even, like, put anything in your water for this fight? Huh? What's going on in there? You're not allowed. I mean, people, you go into a fight. They got people following you to go pee. Like, they don't mess around with this stuff. So, I'm not even saying this is all Greg Hardy's fault. Um, I'm not blaming Greg Hardy. And even if this is not within the rules, uh, if he didn't break any rules, technically, uh, and the com- and a commissioner told him that it was completely legal, he should get his win back. I don't disagree with that. But I come to this with Greg Hardy. And and I've had the same thought process every time I've watched him fight. What's the point of all of this? Because he's a hugely controversial figure, right? We can all agree on that. He's not. He's not. He's got a. He's got a hor. He's got a horrible. He's got horrible baggage that he's bringing to the cage. And media wise, he's owned up to all of it. I guess as best as you can. Tries to put on a happy face and all that. But let's just. Put all that as if you can, if I if I may, if I may ask you, please, if I if if I can ask you to stop to not think about the horrific things that Greg Hardy has done, if I may, okay. With Greg Hardy, when you've actually watched him in an octagon fight, have you thought this is a guy who I could see being UFC champion? This is a guy who I think is is must watch TV because I'm having like. I'm talking about this with with people on 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 Twitter on Friday night, and they're like, "Well, yeah, I mean, like, could you imagine a a freak like that becoming, you know, with with the training behind him?" It's like I get the theory behind it. We've seen guys come from the NFL, uh, Matt Mitrione, Brendan Schaub, guys who have had football backgrounds before, uh, who have come in and and have done okay with the UFC and and have had good careers. Guys who have had athletic ba- backgrounds, uh, Eric Anders. Played at University of Alabama, made his transition into mixed martial arts. It's not something we haven't seen before, but if you were to look at Greg Hardy, he bar none has the best football resume coming in than any of those guys. And if you were to look at him physically in stature, he was the best physical stature out of all those guys. And people are like, well, that's the biggest freak that's ever come in. It's like, well, he's got the best resume he's got the foot best football resume that's ever come into the octagon is he the biggest freak because Francis Ngannou in two years knocked people out his way to a title shot and that's the truth Francis Ngannou who they just found out of the middle of nowhere he was homeless in France they're like hey you ever think about knocking mother bleepers out for a living and he's just like no why don't we try it and they threw him in an octagon and in two years he was fighting Stipe Miocic for the championship that's the biggest freak that's ever walked into the UFC you walk in you knock every mother bleeper out, and you're like, this dude's must-watch TV. He's UFC Drago. I have to watch this guy fight. And if you were to tell me that guy could have used an inhaler in his fight between Stipe Miocic, what kind of difference do you think that would have made for old friend Singanu, who was getting exhausted between rounds two and three, three and four, four and five? Legal or unlegal, you don't think you would have taken that? So I just find it weird. You've also had other fighters like Gilbert Burns, uh, he said, I, I have asthma. I've used an inhaler all my life. Never in a fight. Never in a fight. So 
why is it always him? And if it is always him, what are we making exceptions for? Just watching Greg Hardy. Like, I'll watch Greg Hardy fight, but every time I watch him fight, I'm like, why do I watch him fight? It's not that entertaining. It's really not. I go into these bouts. I'm like, all right, I want to see if that physical body can knock somebody out and blow them to smithereens in about 45 seconds. You know, when he wings some very dangerous shots, you're like, oh, you, you get the oh factor. Like, if it, if it, if it would have landed, you'd be like, ah, whew, this would be something. That would that'd be do some damage. But he never does. He never does. He doesn't land that big shot. And then the fight goes on, and you're just like, eh, not that enjoyable. Didn't enjoy watching it that much. So that's the thing that I find weird about it. It's like, all right, we've had one, two, three, four fights in the UFC. Three of them have had, uh, two of them had have had actual controversy. Three of them have had controversy and or has been ripped by the UFC president. So he's got one win that's kind of just like clean there's nothing to talk about afterwards. Good for him. Bully for you. But you come out of all of these fights with him, and you're just like, eh. it's like, well, what is the real future here? Is this, because is this, he said, oh, I'm, I'm going to be like, I, I got Michael Jordan's skill set coming into the fight game. I'm going to I'm gonna blast my way to the top. Because the other thing that has to be thrown into this whole Greg Hardy thing, he hasn't fought anybody that's close to a contender. Not close. Not close. All right? The president himself has said, I don't know who that guy, two fights ago, is telling you, I don't know who that guy is that he beat with nine wins. I'd like to see the nine guys that guy beat. Okay, so when Greg Hardy actually gets in there with a contender, actually gets in there with a contender, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Do you think he's actually close? Actually anywhere close to beating anybody of high caliber in this promotion? Because ultimately, if you're going to take this kind of uh, uh, an investment on a guy and you're going to put him on ESPN every time that he fights, What's the end game for him? Like, and look, you could go into this and say, hey, Tovin, it's he's 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 been a professional since June of 2018. Okay. All right. If I told you a year from now, do you think that Greg Hardy could beat Derek Lewis? A year from now. If I give him another year, give him another year, give him another three opponents, force fed. Okay? Just let's just do that. Do you really think that that guy has a shot against Derek Lewis? I'd say no. Do you really think, do you really think, if I were to give him another year, another year, now mind you, Friends and in two years knock people out on the way to a championship. Knock people out on the way to a championship. Big, you know, if you want to say Greg Hardy is the biggest athletic freak you've ever seen in the octagon. If I gave him another year, do you think that he could go toe-to-toe with Francis Ngannou? Probably not. Probably not. So, a guy that isn't that entertaining to watch, has a ton of controversy, needs medication to get through fights that may be illegal, may not be illegal. You have, th- this is weird. You had, here, here's the night, okay? You have a situation where you have Mark Ratner, who is the UFC's vice president of regulatory affairs, he is on the broadcast telling you, completely illegal. You have Jeff Nowitzki telling Yahoo Sports, and Jeff Nowitzki, he is the vice president of athlete health and performance for the UFC. He's saying that 
uh, as long as it stays below thresholds. I don't know how they determine that, but let's just say he's saying that. So you have infighting. Then you have the president of the company saying, no, 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 only water. That's what you're allowed to have. And basically, look, all of these other commissions, they can kick rocks. Really, Dana White's the commission. They're just housing it. He uses the commission as something of a, of a shield, a cloak. But really, Dana White makes the rules, right? He runs the promotion. So if he's telling you, no, 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 no inhaler, you're not allowed to use an inhaler, I say only water, maybe Gatorades in some commissions. Okay. So you have three UFC officials. They can't decide whether or not he's allowed to use medication for a fight. So all I'm saying is with all of this stuff wrapped up together, all right, not that entertaining to watch fight. Uh, don't know what his real ceiling is. Controversy around him fighting in the first place. And also seemingly is using uh, an inhaler to even get through fights. You just what's the point of all of it? That's 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 what I'm just trying to determine. Like, what is the ceiling that is with Greg Hardy being a UFC fighter? I just want to know. I want to know because I'm not like this may not even be all of his fault because some nefarious or some uh, you know some out to lunch official from the state is telling you, oh yeah yeah use your inhaler, go ahead, cool. Even though nobody's nobody in the history of this board's using it. Other UFC fighters are like, I use inhalers. Why am I not allowed to use an inhaler? I'd love to have some oxygen between fights. What are we talking about here? You mean I get I get some guy- guys? You're not even allowed to rehydrate with an IV anymore. That's how the UFC has gotten so holistic with this USADA stuff, almost to an extreme. Okay, you're not even allowed to rehydrate yourself with an IV anymore, and yet somebody's allowed to use artificial air. To get themselves back right to go fight? Nah, I mean, I can understand if you're an opponent. You're like, nah, that stinks, man. That stinks. Just bananas to me. We'll be back after this. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. Welcome back, everybody. You can text show 67974. Text on The Ticket driven by Kendall Toyota and Wes Kendall Toyota. A texter writes in, can we stick Manny Diaz and Blake James in an octagon? And the winner has to leave Coral Cables. Loser leaves town match? I love a loser leaves town match. I don't think that's the way it's going to work, though, man. I think if Blake James leaves, then then you probably open the door to getting a new coach. I think that's how it works. I did suggest this yesterday in the midst of that uh, that game between the Canes and uh, – why am I blanking on who they lost to yesterday? Or who they – oh, Georgia Tech. In the midst of that slop, I uh, I suggested a fight – Lou Headley fights whoever the hell they send at, at, uh, at, at the start of overtime. Fist fight. Fist fight to determine who wins the game because I was tired of watching that football and – Missed kicked after missed kick, but you'll get more of that. Brian Monroe, Rashad Butler, they're coming up next, and uh, they'll give you your Canes fill, and I'm sure they'll talk about uh, you know Manny Diaz deciding his, deciding his, uh, you know, his, it's officially a rebuild under his watch. 
We are two weeks out, though. This will give you some good news. Two weeks out from the baddest mother bleepers on the planet stepping inside an octagon, Madison Square Garden, Jorge Masvidal versus Nate Diaz. West Coast versus Dade County, the Stockton Slap versus the Neo 5. I can't wait, baby. I can't wait. Two weeks out, and we get ourselves a big-time matchup. Juices are flowing. Everybody in Miami will be buzzing about that matchup against Masvidal versus Diaz. You're going to have the damn rock there, putting the belt around the winner's waist. Obviously, it's going to be Masvidal. Uh, I honestly really do feel I feel good about Masvidal's chances. This mindset that he's gone to with finishing fights and putting guys away, um, it does feel like he's hit this next level. Like, Look, Nate Diaz looked fantastic his last fight against against Anthony Pettis, especially three years out of the side in Octagon. He looked absolutely. Uh, he he looked he he looked absolutely big time. But 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 Jorge has been, I mean, un- he's been obliterating fools, obliterating them, a- a- in certain situations where man, people didn't think he was going to win. He did not go to he did not go to Liverpool. Did not go over uh, across the pond with people thinking he was going to beat Darren Till. This was supposed to be the get right for Darren Till. Oh, you're taking on veteran Jorge Masvidal. He should be getting right. Let's get Darren Till right. Let's put him in there with Jorge Masvidal. It'll be all right. And Osvaldo knocks him out in his in his homeland, in his homeland, flatlines him, flatlines him. And then Ben Askren, don't forget, Ben Askren's fighting next week against Damian Maya now in, in, in Singapore. Ben Askren, everybody, was was the social media darling of everybody. The social media darling, everybody's like, oh, Ben Askren can walk in here and he could be welterweight champion. He will, he'll, he'll maul anybody out there. He's just, they were talking, they were talking about damn Ben Askren versus George St. Pierre. George St. Pierre, they were talking about. And what happens? He gets knocked out by Masvidal faster than anybody's been knocked out in the history of the sport. I mean, you just tell me who's hitting another level, hitting another crescendo when it comes to their skill set. I just think that has to be acknowledged when you're talking about this fight, this shakedown between Nate Diaz and Masvidal. That's definitely something that cannot be ignored about what kind of a level are we seeing from, from, from Jorge when it comes to getting into that cage and and putting on the absolute mindset of seek and destroy. And look, I'm not I'm not taking away how hard it is to put away Nate Diaz, but nobody put away Ben Askren, nobody. Darren Till, you know, Tyron Woodley put him out, didn't put him out, didn't put his lights out like that. So, I just think that you uh you you you're looking at a guy right now who seems like in a different different level, different zone, and also I don't know how many more fights Nate Diaz has. I don't know what is the end game for Nate Diaz. You know, he's just a guy who wants to fight cool people, do cool things. That's Nate Diaz. That's the that's that's the that's the the drum he marches to, right? But Masvidal looks like he's got some other things that he wants to check off the list. I think the dude is loving the fact that he is a big star right now, um, and also is on the verge of not only winning this bad mother bleeper belt, but then going and beating people for the undisputed welterweight championship. And then who knows what comes after that. The guy's talked about fighting Conor McGregor, all this type of stuff. Like, the guy looks like he's there to take all the belts and all the gold. And I don't know if Nate Diaz has that mentality right now. Nate Diaz has told you. He's just here to do cool bleep. Masvidal looks like he's here to do cool bleep, but he's also looking like he's going to try and get all the accolades and all the money as well. So, I can't wait, man. Two weeks out. Two weeks out from the BMF belt. Madison Square Garden, UFC 244. That's an absolute monster. Next week, we do have... We do have Ben Askren against Damian Maya. Big grappling matchup, fun matchup between these two. The big question with this one, look, Damian Maya, he's had some uh he's been on hard times a little bit as far as it comes to 
Uh, he was in there with all those guys when he finally got his shot. I mean, it took him damn forever to get his chance to get a crack at the belt against Tyron Woodley. So finally did. Boring fight. Terrible fight. But lost to Tyron Woodley. Got beat by Colby Covington. Got beat by Kamara Usman. And he's had two wins since then, beating Lyman Good and beating uh, Rocco Martin. But this was a guy who people really, really feared getting into the cage with because he was the best grappler on the planet and would find a way to go and submit you. Uh, ben Askren, in in a lot of ways, people didn't have the key to go beat him. Now, Damian Maia is not coming out of there with a flying knee. We can say that. So he doesn't have to worry about that. But this is a guy in... Ben Askren, where he has been in grave danger in both of his fights. One of them, five seconds. So, done. But in the Robbie Lawler fight, let's not forget, that guy, that, that guy got dumped on his head and looked like he was heading straight for a TKO loss in his UFC, de- UFC debut. So, this is really in a position where I think Ben is going to be in his comfort zone. It doesn't feel like he's going to be in a position to be in that much danger of losing his strikes because you're fighting Damian Maya. But it is a huge, huge matchup. It is, it's a huge matchup, and I think for, for Ben, uh, it's a must-win. It's a, it's a must-win in regards to if he does have this feeling like he is among the UFC elite and the UFC contenders, he's got to go get this one. So I'm curious to see it. Um, I'm going to go with Ben Askren because I feel like he's just got more on the line for this fight. Um, and it, this is going to allow Ben Askren, I think, mo- to be most in his comfort zone than he has been in either of his fights, if you can call the Jorge Masvidal a fight, more like it was, it was more like a, a an MMA execution. But this is a this is a matchup where he should he should be in in uh, in the right standing. Also coming up next week, you have this is a big matchup. We had uh, we had this young gentleman on last week, Xander Zayas. He is uh, making his he's making his uh, professional boxing debut. Four rounds in the welterweight division. That'll be on ESPN Plus. If anybody wants to check that out, check out. Uh, some uh, uh, a local guy who's going to be on a big stage. Shakur Stevenson is going to be the main event, taking on Joey Gonzalez for the vacant WBO featherweight title. So you guys can check that out. ESPN Plus next week. You also got uh, Regis Prograts taking on Josh Taylor for the junior welterweight unification bout going on in the World Boxing Super Series. And Derek Chisora is going to be taking on David Price. That, of course, has uh, had some things around it to try and fight the right, find the right opponent for that. And I also believe, I think the Miami Fairgrounds has some uh, some boxing going on next Friday uh, going down. So you guys can check out some stuff. You guys are looking for some local boxing Friday night at the Miami-Dade Fairgrounds. There's some action going down there as well. Uh, if you guys want to check out some of the local scene, um, you might want to uh, want to check some local action. About that action, boss. So that's what you got going on as well. That is your, uh, your checkout if you guys want to be scoping things next week. A busy, busy fight week. This one was uh, a little bit quieter with uh, the UFC on Friday night. Usually we're coming uh, high off a, uh, a fight night on Saturday. You had some bare-knuckle brawn. Gabriel Gonzaga got himself a win over Bigfoot Silva. So there's that. Hector Lombard, by the way, is going to be in, uh, in bare-knuckle fighting. So that's cool. They got a nice little signing there as well. Um, but they continue to roll on, man. They, they, as far as the bare-knuckle is concerned, they, uh, they're, they've been the top promotion. So it'll be interesting to watch. Everybody have a great rest of your Sunday. Everybody enjoy the rest of the games and all that stuff that's going down. You got Brian Monroe, Rashad Butler. They are coming up next.